This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Green and White, the weekly Argyle Life podcast. With us to discuss the latest on all things Argyle, we have Josh. Hello. Sam. Hello. And Adam. Hello. Unfortunately, Tom can't be with us this evening, but we are hoping that he's going to send us something to add to the podcast later on. So, Adam, Sam and Josh, obviously we're all at the game this weekend. Uh, Adam, would you like to tell us your thoughts? Yeah, I, it's... It's one that I found that it was hard to take an awful lot from, considering the team we were against didn't really seem intent on attacking us. I know we had the idea of going into the game that they'd try and go out wide, they'd try and put costs in, and we saw that on a few occasions. But I think the what the real positive we take from the game is that Jamie Ness obviously went off a injury, which is not ideal in the long run, granted. But we Derek Adams went for a choice of putting Sarsvich slightly deeper and bringing on Ruben Lemirez which meant that the loss of JB Ness didn't mean we had the loss of Sarsovic's ability. Being in the deep position and being able to advance onto the ball is, as we know, where he's strong and being able to run at people is his strength. And I think the fact that we were able to still take advantage of that, keep the pressure on, maintain our status as the only team in the game that was actually trying to score a goal, eventually, it took a while in coming, but eventually helped us to break down that defence and get ourselves into the second round. And There's not much more you can do than that. Josh, what's your take? Uh, especially on uh, what Adam just said about Sarsovic. Um I think, yeah, I think we we did sort of look a bit livelier when Ness came off and, and Sarsovic and then moving back, back into, into centre midfield. I don't think it's, his, it's the role that suits him best, um, in a midfield two, I think he's particularly better suited to the most forward of a of a midfield three. Really, um, I think in hindsight, having looked at how uh, Stevenage sort of sat back against us, we could have made that change earlier. Um, I mean, if Ness hadn't been injured, I think you could, could have taken Fox off quite happily and brought on someone like Lemiros. Uh You know, they they had a lot of memory on the ball. They sat deep, uh, and we needed players to unlock that. Um, and obviously that happened, but I think we we looked a little bit more lively, a little bit more threatening once Lemiras came on. So it, it's always easy to make these takes or to have these takes in uh, in hindsight rather than at the time or be ballsy before before the game because I 
hadn't realised quite how it would pan out, of course, and I thought picking the same 11 was the right decision, but uh, I think it was the right change, and uh, obviously we benefited from it in the end. Um, here's my thought. is um, So for those who haven't, um, Tom Sleeman wrote a great tactical preview in the build-up to the game, highlighting how Steven had used their wingers, and more importantly how they supplied their wingers, and a lot of that revolved around um, Tim Lynn and Byron who are their two centre mids, they're very te- you know, they're good technical players and in League Two, you know, they can get a lot of possession because there aren't too many other sides with there aren't that many sides with technical centre mids. But when they came up against Argyle, that as I, as Tom predicted, I think in his closing remarks, and as I also thought, um was that it would be a, similar to Gillingham, in the sense that they they are good on the ball, but Argyle's midfield are better on the ball. And I, I think what happened was that Fox and Ness got that ball down, they controlled it, and all of a sudden their wingers, instead of being you know their their principal means of attack, they were forced into makeshift defenders because you have Moore pushing up on the right, you have Grant pushing up on the left, and all of a sudden they're back, they're retreated. And again, just like that Gillingham game, that that means as soon as Stevenage get the ball, that ball has to go long. You got Songo back there, and in particular you've got Canavan back there, who's very good in the air, and you know they win that ball back what, five times out of six, let's say, all of a sudden Fox has got the ball, it's recycled, and they're coming forward once more. So, so I'm not sure Stephen... I think Stephen did plan to sit back. Um, th- this season they've been susceptible to sides picking them open in defence. Uh, Yeovil in particular did it quite a bit. So I think they planned to sit back, back to avoid Carey picking them off and so forth. But I think in many ways they were forced back by Argyle's control of possession. Uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I would I would agree with that. I mean, they, they could have maybe pushed on a bit more if they wanted to. They didn't exactly play what you would call a high-pressing game, did they? But they, they pressed us a little bit when we um, were kind of in getting into their final third. They didn't press us high up the pitch. They did sit back um, quite a bit, which I think, as you said, is largely due to the fact that we kept it on the ground, played good football, which, you know, for all Adams, does quite like a direct, direct approach. I think we are at our hardest to play against when we do kind of play it on the ground, do utilise... Um, David Fox's passing ability, for example. So I think that's um, I think I think that was good the way we approached the game. I think to be honest with you, really, the chances we had, we created enough chances. It should have really been a comfortable win. I think when you see one 0 in the ninetieth minute, that looks like we scraped through. And I think well, obviously that is the case. We did scrape through, but based on the performance, I think we would have warranted a, a much uh, more comfortable margin of victory, if not for some slightly poor finishing. You say that, Sam. Mm-hmm. Name the chances that Argyle created. Uh, there was a Ladapo chance, kind of midway through the second half, that I, I think went just to the um, just to the side of the post. There was a Carey um, shot in the first half. I think the keeper had to get down quite well and save. Oh, you put me on the spot. Now. There, there how, how ma- co- what I'm saying is, how many of these were you know we built up, we made some space in the area. These aren't snapshots or shots from outside the area with bodies in between. How many times did Argyle pass their way through that defence and create a chance? Ladapo had the one-on-one that he... Mm. Well, he was tackled. It was a really good tackle by Cuthbert. It was a great challenge, yeah. I mean, that's a difficult one to pull off. But but yes, you've got that one. You've got that crossing by Fox to Grant. Yeah, that was a good one. Other than that, I'm I'm struggling to think of chances that were made. You know, Argyle controlled, but a lot of that resulted in shots from distance. Yeah, I mean, we did have um, we did have um, fifteen shots overall, but in terms of how many of them were good shots, I think we had. I think we ultimately had enough. You know, not that many absolute gaping chances apart from those two you mentioned, but we had enough. Um, we had enough, I'd say, decent chances that it was um, kind of probably should have won it by more than we did. Enough in comparison to Stephen and who who had how many chances? 
I honestly, I think the the first, I mean, obviously I sit next to Sam and the first chance that we made note of was well into the second half. It was the first time that Macy had to catch the ball and that was soft and straight out. And he had that one he had to catch right at the end after the goal, wasn't there? And those were the only two I can think of, the one he went down to. Um, in which case, uh, Josh then, wh- why do you think Argyle's you know, control of the game didn't materialise into more chances? Uh, look at how deep they sat. I think there's, there's moments, some of those uh, shots that Carey had where he would cut inside and, and shoot, you can see he's surrounded by like, four players. Um, I think they're, what Sam said earlier about pressing in their defensive third uh, was really the only time they pressed the ball. Um it looked like that's in particular with him. They wanted to make it difficult for him and and try and limit his space, which I'm not sure how well they did. But you can see it on on the highlights and throughout the game when he picks the ball up on uh, on the right hand side and and cuts in. There's three or four players around him. Uh, in certain clips, there's not even an Argyle player in the image. Um, I think it, it, it's sort of similar that the idea was to talk, sort of crowd him out and that. You know, we didn't bring Lemiras on till till late, and and him alongside Carey is the one who, as much as I think Joel Grant's been brilliant recently, Lemiras is the one who you you associate more with picking defenses apart and being a little bit more technical in those tight areas. Um, so I, I think that quite how deep they sat and quite how many men they had behind the ball just it makes it so much more difficult for you to find the space to create those opportunities. Mm. So. So circling back around to Adam then, who obviously opened this, do, do you think that... So, so I agree with Josh. I agree with Josh when he says that, like we said last week, Sarsovic is better from a deeper position running on, but I don't think defensive mid is his position. I, I would say that worked more because... Um, because I, so, so when you look at the creators in the team, like Josh just said, Joel Grant isn't someone who's going to look up and pick a hole and pass it through. He's more He can do that, but he's more comfortable receiving the ball, turning and dribbling at them. And that's much harder to do against a massed defence. Um, I think that you know taking off one of those passers who was helping Argo control the ball, but not actually creating anything, and bringing on um, someone who could create something... Uh, and then having Sarsovic run onto that made a difference compared to, say, having Joel Grant hugging the left, Sarsovic trying to make runs into mass defences and Carey the only one who could pick the defence. I think that that's why Sarsovic improved when when he dropped a bit deeper and Lemiris came on. And what would be your response to that? I would agree with a lot of you said. I don't think it's his prime position. I don't think he's... It's something I want to see an awful lot of going forward in League One. I think a lot of his success was, as you mentioned, because there were more creative players on, and the fact that we have to look at our, our sorry, have to look at our opposition because I think the game gave us an example as to why Steve Lynch are where they are, and they've got the stats as they do. We know that they're not doing too badly in League Two, but we know they don't score an awful lot of goals. Perhaps their tactics are suited to a League 2 level where they can control the midfield, but coming up against our ball players that they have, they weren't able to compete and were both forced back and therefore chose to sit back. So yeah, I agree with a great deal of what you said. I just feel that this game was made for Sarsovic dropping deep, and I don't think it's particularly something that's going to happen in the future, or not that I want it to happen in the future, but it did the job, and there's not in a cup game, there's not an awful lot more you can ask for than getting the job done. Looking on to Luton, then, if Jamie Ness is unfit, what would you do? Oh, as a I, I'm not really sure about that one myself. I, I really, ha- I hope he is fit. 
O'Keefe is the obvious choice, but then I think um, the main thing with him is he's generally better and deeper. He's better in the Fox position, isn't he? Rather I don't than in the... believe that. I've yet to see that. You, you said that a lot, Sam, but I, I just, I've never seen him. Uh, I, I think he, he, you know, I don't think he's particularly outstanding, but he's probably the best player we've got who could do anything like the role that Ness has. I think that would possibly be Conor Grant, but then you don't want to move him away from left back, do you? And where he's been doing so well. So I won't open that can of worms again, but um, he's another option. When, yeah, when when you say that O'Keefe is better in the Fox position, he doesn't mean playing the Fox role and dictating the play. I mean, he can certainly do that more than Songo can there. And he's a, you know, he, he's he's your defensive alternative to Fox who can also keep possession sort of thing. And I should say, O'Keefe had a good game against Newport last night. He was um, probably Argos' most composed player in possession. He made a lot of pretty good passes, and he was quite good at breaking up the play. But as you say, Ness is more comfortable in possession, as the role really requires, than O'Keefe is. So would you consider changing formation? Uh, I would be extremely wary of changing formations. I mean... We picked up a lot when Sarsovic came back into the side, and when he first came back into the side, it was it was O'Keefe who was playing in that three with him and Fox. Um, it's not ideal; they're not exactly the same players. O'Keefe doesn't do that role anywhere near as ne- uh, as well as Ness. Uh, I'm not convinced ever by uh, Conor Grant in uh, central midfield, and I, I don't think I'd want to move him away from left back anyway. So I probably wouldn't fiddle with the formation. Uh, yeah, I would. I would just keep O'Keefe in. I think as a as a straight swap for now. Yeah, I think that would probably have to be what we'd do. I don't think it's a great option, but looking looking at all the other options, I can't really see what alternative there is except um hope that Jamie Nelson is in fact fit. I think I might slightly advocate the idea of um, moving Conor Grant to central midfield. I think we know he's got he's decent with the ball, and I think if anybody's going to be able to play that sort of role that Ness does play, it would be between, I guess, O'Keefe and Conor Grant. And we know we've got a ready-made, ready-made replacement at left-back. Would it be worth giving a go? I, I'm just throwing it out there that that's the sort of thing I might well consider rather than just thinking he's doing a decent enough job at left-back, let's keep him there. We've got options, and I think that may be one that I would consider, but then again, desperately hope that Ness is fit and we don't have to worry about it at all. Moving on to other team selection news, Taylor obviously made his return last night. He uh, put... I mean, it was a pretty relatively poor Argyle display. There are reasons for that. Um, but Taylor himself uh, played quite well. He's very good in possession. He won about 65% of his aerial duels, which is higher than his normal average. But, you know, it sort of demonstrates again that that's the side of the game he's going to bring more to than Ladapo will. What would you do? Would you bring Taylor back in? Is it too soon? Or would you bring Taylor back in in a couple of weeks when he's fully fit? Or is it just a case of sticking with Ladapo for now? Stick with Ladapo for now, I think. His recent goal-scoring record's in, enough, I think, to to earn him a place, or to, to earn him his continued place in the team. And I, I think he has improved at some of those aspects. And his hold-up play's got better. His distribution looks a little bit better. It's not identical to the front three that was so deadly last season for us. Um, but... And you know, with with Joel Grant in there, I think it works quite well. Uh, so at the moment, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't play Ladapo. But I think the, the the chance I would give Taylor probably would be uh, when we have our FA Cup second round against Oxford or um, Forest Green, and and I would start Lemiras in that game as well, probably, and uh, 
and, and just have a look and see how they get on. Because when was the last time those front three played together? Lemire, Taylor and Kerry, was it Walsall? Peterborough. Walsall on the opening day. Oh, sorry, yes, Walsall, yes. Um, it would have been South End ah, as yeah. well, sorry, I was thinking last season. But they season. haven't had a lot of time together this season, despite being so good last season. No, no, they haven't. Um, you, you mentioned Ladapo's hot streak. Is there? To what extent do you not think that was just a run of good form? Strikers go through it, and when you look at it, he picked up. A, he essentially picked up over three games. He scored two against Burton. He scored two against Gilliam. He scored one against a deflected goal against Scunthorpe. He then didn't score against Stevenage. He didn't score against Sunderland. Do you think that it was a run of form that's petering out? Deserves a little bit more time to to see whether it was a run of form, maybe, or or whether it, it is going to hold out. Um, you know, he's not going to score in every game. He's not going to play brilliantly every game. You know, those games where where he was getting goals and he was playing much better. I, I think there was it was more about there was more about his game than just the goals that made me think a little bit more positively about him about his build up play. I think he has earned an, enough time to to at least a few more games at the very least possibly more um unless he's playing particularly badly which you know those games he hasn't scored I haven't thought that he he wasn't playing well I'll I'll tell you what I object to is that everyone I mean people I find have a tendency once someone starts doing one thing well they start to conflate that with all their other attributes so Ladapo starts scoring so people start thinking he's playing well so people start thinking all facets of his game are improving right that that, that happens a lot with other players and that always bugs me because I mean Ladapo's actually been marginally worse at winning aerial duels. He was averaging about 33% up until this spell he's now dropped to about 31% again Aerial duels aren't really his thing, so I mean, it's not really too fair to, you know, strike him down for that. The key would be finding a way to play him that emphasises his ability and gets the best out of others at the same time. In, in many ways, the reason I would rather play Taylor is because he brings the best out of others while bringing the best out of himself. Whereas I'm yet to see that with Ladapo, and and I think that his 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 better build-up play is just as much a result of the midfield being better as it is him being confident and in form. Um, there was a moment against Sunderland in particular. Right? He, dropped, he dropped off, he got the ball, he laid it, I think, into Grant, and all he had to do was turn. There was a bit of space behind the midfield, behind McGeoch, and if he'd stopped there and received it, he could have turned, he could have laid it to Kerry, and arguably running two versus two at their centre-backs. Instead, he did exactly what I expected he would do. He ran, he made a beeline straight for their goal, hoping that I don't know Grant was going to lob it over the top of the defence. I mean, Grant obviously didn't play the pass. Opportunity gone. It's small things like that that he still doesn't see the build-up. You know, he he can't really conceive the build-up in his head. He's thinking about scoring rather than creating, and that's something for me. He needs to learn long term to become you know a more complete striker. But I think he can become that complete striker. And I mean, it's if he, if he learns a better aerial technique from Taylor, for example, if he can understand the build-up side of the game better, there's no reason why he can't be a top-end championship striker, at least. He's still pretty young, and he's got a lot going for him. And as you say, I mean, last season could have gone completely differently if we'd had someone like Ladapo in to fill the gap when Taylor wasn't fit. Ladapo well, is... Though, is he? He's like 25, isn't he? Yeah, I know, but in terms of... Um, when you look at game time, professional game time, he hasn't really played that many professional games up until now, has he? So, so in that sense, if if he can learn from these experiences in the in the coming, say up up till this season, I mean, you're highlighting improved build-up play. I'm still not entirely sold on it, but I accept that there's a you know strong chance his build-up play is going to improve playing in a 
better team than he was for the first part of the season. So if he can you know, improve this season, improve the start of next season, there's no reason why he can't go on to be both clinical and more involved in the build-up. Uh, yes, I, I do broadly agree with Josh on that one. I think he was on a hot streak. Would I bring Taylor back in on Saturday? No, because I think what have we seen with Taylor over the past few years? He is very good, but very often we've rushed him back in too quickly because we've had no other competent strikers. Well, now Ladapo, whatever you think of him, is he as good as Taylor? No, I agree. Probably he's not overall, but he is at least a competent striker. He's playing well. We don't need to rush Taylor back. Let's give him the time to get all back to full fitness. Then we can put Taylor back into the team. We don't need to do it right this minute. As for Ladapo... I don't, yeah, he, do, he does seem like he's not, he was a bit of a streaky player. Maybe his streak has now come to an end. But I, I think he is getting a lot better with the other stuff. He's bringing down the long balls a little bit better. His aerial ability is getting better than it was. His decision-making with the ball at his feet is getting a bit better than it was. So I think all of that is um, all of that is encouraging. Uh, I, I ultimately think it's brilliant as Ladapo and Joel Grant have been. And I think they have been great. I think over the course of the season... Kerry, Taylor and Lemiris will be our best three. I do think over the season, Taylor and Lemiris will come back in for Ladapo and Grant. But right now, Ladapo and Grant are playing really well. So I think you've got to give them that at least a few more games. And, and with that, I think time to move on to quiz round. And sitting in the hot seat this week is... Do you want to guess who it is, Sam? Oh, I think for the fact you've asked me, I think it's going to be me, isn't it? It is you, Sam. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> I know you've been looking forward me. to this since the moment I told you about the idea. I've been looking forward to it too. I'm hoping for a big fat zero. And, mm. and I'm not saying I've made the questions especially difficult because I oh. knew you were doing them. Um, but you don't, know which, you, don't know which, you don't know which category I'm going to pick, do you? Or I could have made all three categories really difficult. Um, um, you would but, do that, but I, 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 I haven't, I haven't. Um, okay. So... It remains as last week. You pick a category, individual, season, opposition, and you answer 10 questions um, on that topic. Uh, and of course, one question will be a bonus point question, whereas if, where if you get both answers right, two points. Okay. Um, Tom started last week. He picked individual and got Peter Almosi and recorded five out of 11. Sam, who would you like, or what How would much? you like, rather? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go season. The season okay. is 12 13. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who were Argyle's first opponents of the season? Oldershot. Uh, Portsmouth. Portsmouth. In- oh, uh, sorry, I can only take your first answer, and you're right, it's oh, Portsmouth in the League Cup. Who scored Argyle's first goal of the season? The first that league goal, sorry. First league, league goal. goal. League goal, that would be Robbie Williams. Correct. How many players scored on their full debuts? Uh, three. Incorrect, five. Who uh, finished the season as top scorer? That would be Jason Banton. Correct. Argyle's biggest win of the season came against Barnet. What was the score? 4-1. Correct. Across all competitions, how many matches did Argyle's longest winless run last? Oh, I'm going to say nine. Correct. Bonus point question. John Sheridan's first match ended in a 2-1 victory against Morton. Name the scores. Uh, it was uh, Paris Cowan Hall was one. And Correct. First one I'm going to say was Connor Horan. Correct. Who scored Argyle's final goal of the season in a 2 1 win against Chesterfield, ultimately keeping them in the football league? Was it Joe Bryan? Incorrect, Curtis Nelson. Oh, Who Bryan got Argyle? the first one in that game, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. Who won the Young Player of the Season award? That was, that was Connor Horan. Correct. 
Argyle survived on the final day of the season despite losing 1-0 to Rochdale after playing more than 75 minutes with 10 men, who were sent off. Maxine Blanchard. Correct. To be honest, I knew that was going to be... I was still hoping you wouldn't pick season. I was tempted to make it really difficult for you, but I thought I'd be <laughs> fair. Uh, Thank you. I would have got, like, a good eight, I think, seven or eight there. I'll be honest, I, I, I made it easier with Adam in mind, because I thought, well, also, Josh, I was thinking to myself, I remember this well, but I was wondering how well some other people would. Um, so wait, how many did you get? One, two, three, four, five, six... I can't believe you didn't get Nelson. Yeah, I'm annoyed uh, with seven, myself for that eight. one. I knew, I, knew it would, I knew it was Brian that in that was, game, but... Nelson was a too. softball one as well. Um, uh, you got 8 out of 11, Sam. Uh, That's well done, right. well done. I'm happy with that. Happy uh, enough with that. You, you, your next lot will be considerably harder. <laughs> um, okay, before we go, we'll quickly do predictions. Sam? Uh, I think we're on for a 2-2 draw. Adam? I'll go draw on 1-1. Josh? Um, oh, that's a tough one. Uh, part of me thinks it's going to be a draw, but uh, I'll, I'll go ballsy and I'll say 3-1 mm, to Argyle. Wow. Um, Luther are in very good form. Uh, they play a very good brand of football that I think will pick holes in Argyle's midfield, especially I'm going 2-0 Luton. Right, that's it. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Green and White. If you have any feedback, ideas or questions, please get in touch with us via email or social media. Thank you all very much for listening and good night. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.